H-Y-Y and Billy Penn. It is hitting season, and this is your first, uh, well, maybe not your first podcast during the start of the official Phillies offseason. So I guess the second or third one here, but it it feels like now with the National League Championship Series more in our rearview mirror, we're now really starting to look forward to the offseason and ahead to 2024. I'm John Stolnes from The Good Fight and Billy Penn, joined as always by my cohorts of this fine podcast, Justin Clue and Liz Rocher. Liz, of course, from Yahoo Sports. Fantastic sports writer for that fine organization. Liz, how are you feeling? Oh, thank you so much, John. Um, I'm I'm feeling uh, pleasantly disconnected from baseball. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, Ple- pleasantly disconnected. So, uh, yeah, I guess that's uh, about right. I haven't thought much about the Phillies over the past week, so I'm I'm excited to uh, to reintroduce them to my brain and see what happens. Yeah, I think we all needed to get out of the pool for a little while uh, and, uh, you know, get a, get a little rest, get a little sun, you know, get something in our bellies other than other than the Phillies. And, and, and I think it's been it's been good for everybody that, you know, things went away for a little bit. Uh, Justin Clue, of course, from Baseball Prospectus, and he also hosts The Dirty Inning and uh, Absolutely Hammered over on our Hit and Season Patreon, which you can find by going to patreon.com slash hit and season. Justin, how are you doing, bud? Uh, mine was less of a disconnect and more of a disassociation uh as in when i saw that there was the, the, oh this is what happened in world series game one i was like oh are they are they still doing that oh, yeah wow. they went ahead with it anyway that's that's kind of inappropriate but okay sure <laughs> um and i just i completely uh i, I checked out it was it, it felt healthy but also scary that it could mm-hmm. happen so quickly and entirely uh, but I feel like it was the right move. I feel like I, we, we were not alone in <laughs> walling ourselves off from this team and this sport for at least a week. No, and, and I know that the numbers we had for the podcast during the playoffs were were really off the charts. We had a lot of new listeners stop by, and and things were looking really great there. And I know the first podcast after the playoffs were over, a little dip, but not much of one, actually, which I was kind of pleased to see. And I think, you know, I'm, I'm hoping that you know, as we get into the offseason, we start to put the NLCS behind us a little bit, and we realize that we still have a World Series contender in front of us for 2024. Fans will start to get on board, and we'll be able to kind of lose the bitter taste from this series a little bit more and that we're going to talk about 2024 a little bit more on this podcast as well and start a series of how do the Phillies get better and we'll start with the starting rotation this week uh, and specifically look at the question of Aaron Nola and what the Phillies are going to do with him and a couple of other questions having to do uh, with the starting rotation but uh, now that we have it has been a week you know we've kind of let it all kind of wash over us and uh, the World Series is is underway I swore that I wouldn't watch any of this World Series that it was going to be too not painful, but too difficult. Like, I just didn't want to watch the Diamondbacks and, and Rangers play. You know, I love baseball, and as it turns out, I actually did watch a little of Game 1, especially at the end when I watched when I watched Rangers hitters actually make solid contact against against uh, Seawald and, and, and come back against a, an Arizona bullpen that I just assumed was unhittable because the, because the Phillies had been unable to touch the back end of, of the Diamondbacks bullpen for the better part of the last five games of the series. But I was wrong. Apparently, apparently the Diamondbacks bullpen can give up runs. It is allowed. Major League Baseball does allow teams to hit the Arizona bullpen. And so, you know, we've been, we've heard from Dave Dombrowski. We've heard from Rob Thompson about what went wrong. There's so many questions and people are trying to figure out how to make the team better this offseason is there a way to make the team better this offseason at least with the offensive issues that they had in the last few games of the series but I really didn't think I was going to watch any of the World Series and I'm still not going to sit down and probably watch 
all of like game three or game four or whatever, but I'm, I'm kind of mentally checking in because part of me is curious. And, and as I watched games one and two or parts of games one and two, when the, when the Rangers came back to beat the Diamondbacks, I thought, ah, oh, that's, that's awesome. You know, that, yeah, that's right. Eat it snakes. Yeah. I didn't want, I don't want any part of the Diamondbacks winning a second world series to match the Phillies two world series. There's something inherently wrong with a team that's been around since 1883 to have the same number of championships as a team that's been around since what was it? 1997. The Diamondbacks came came into being so i'm just i'm not okay with that but then at the same time if the if the diamond platbacks play really well against the rangers does it validate how well they played in the nlcs and the fact that the phillies weren't able to take them down you know so there's my brain oh, you're is twisted in nuts <laughs> folks so over rationalizing yeah. i think <laughs> yeah there's uh there- Imagine the Diamondbacks winning the World Series. Do you run out into the streets and say, the, this has validated the loss we witnessed in the NLD? No, that's that's not. NLCS, no, that's not a. I don't think that's a real reaction people have. I get your logic there, oh. but I don't think that's. That's not something that would make me feel any better. Uh, it is I, a real reaction. I'll say this. My father says that anytime the a Philadelphia team loses and the team that they lost to eventually wins he's like he does say that makes me feel a little bit better i think he's lying but he does say that every year yeah i simply don't believe that yeah in that case i'm sorry i just yeah. i don't believe i don't anyone. believe it either but yeah. it is a response that people give presumably to hide their real mm-hmm. reaction i think it would be funny if an 84 win team won the world series i think <laughs> that would be, be really funny um mm. i wish it wasn't in this context but i sure do, i see the humor in that and i think it lends itself I think it would be funny because it lends itself to the argument that Braves fans were making during the entire playoffs. They're like, oh, the siege, you know, we should have played the Diamondbacks and the playoff format's all wrong and these lousy teams shouldn't be in the postseason and they've only run three games over 500. I just want to see where that argument then turns because we all know it isn't really about that. It's about how their favorite team got knocked out of the playoffs by a team they felt was inferior to them and kind of was in a lot of ways. But, right. uh, that, I, I want to see that argument take its new shape where it's like, no, yeah, you could maybe, you know, have that discussion about how, hey, is it cool that this team won? Is it offensive to baseball that this team won? <laughs> <laughs> or are you just a liar and you were sitting there throwing garbage on the field talking about how your team should have won and stomping your feet because it didn't happen? Yeah, and if the Diamondbacks hadn't beat the Phillies, you could make an argument. Both these teams are actually pretty likable. Like, the Astros were a team that I think was really easy to loathe last year. And and not just because they beat the Phillies, but the whole the, the cheating scandal and, and all the other nonsense. Their very that, existence on the earth. Y- their very What's existence on the earth. Cheating scandal? Yeah, che- I didn't, yeah I didn't, did you hear about this? You no, about this, this? Is new, yeah. this is new to me. Yeah, check it out. <laughs> go watch the, go watch uh, last year's home one. Anyway, um, it was just one of those things where nobody was rooting for the. I can't imagine anybody outside of Houston was really rooting hard for the Astros to beat the upstart Phillies. But here, you have a Rangers team that's never won a World Series. And I think, generally speaking, that's kind of the direction most fans would want to go. Like, hey, these... And when you think about the Rangers, the brutal way in which they lost the 2011 World Series, they were Uh. one strike away... And then David Freeze does his thing. And, and then they go back on top in the 10th on a two-run home run by Josh Hamilton. And then the Cardinals tied again in the bottom of that inning. And then Freeze hits the walk-off. I mean, it's just like, if this if they can win this World Series, finally fans can cut. That's their own 1964. You know, that's, that's, that's Black Friday times 
10,000. And so a world championship kind of helps to heal a lot of those wounds and those scars from that Rangers team that that absolutely got their hearts ripped out. So if you're talking narrative, I think that probably means the Rangers would would be the fan favorite. But both these teams are pretty likable. It's just unfortunate one of them beat the Phillies. Yeah, this is the one year, like, usually I, I'll root for the... Uh, the National League team just as a matter of principle for no other reason other than, you know, I'm a fan of a National League team. But this year, I just very much do not want the Diamondbacks to win. Not because they're an 84-win team, uh, just because I don't like them and they beat the Phillies. That's what, That's it. There's no other reason. I just, I would rather the Rangers win. Them having not won a, a World Series before lends, uh, makes my, <laughs> makes my pettiness seem like it has a reason behind it but it doesn't it's just pettiness also if the diamondbacks win snakes alive becomes a thing and that started in the nlcs against the phillies so you'll get to hear about that for years to come well it's either it's either snakes alive or creed so which which of these two things you said likable right (laughs) (laughs) i made that i made that mistake um yeah so that's that. Uh, those those are the two memes that we have going right now. And of course, you know, the, the Phillies had the, the the juggling of the balls for Major League Two. So I mean, you can argue no one's really doing it exactly right, but uh, it's, I would it's, argue the Phillies were doing that right. They they <laughs> were. I, I liked it at first. I was surprised that they kept that particular thing going the whole season. I, I they really did. They made that last uh, quite a little while, which was, so was which I. was amazing. Hey, yeah, I hey, thought they that was going to go another away. year out of dancing on my own too. So yeah, that's, that's this now. year that song is. I think over. I think we got to put all this on the shelf. Yeah, after yeah. that. But um, yeah. but yeah I, hope, yeah, I hope Mr. Scott got in all of those different uh, uh, Spotify one million download listens and stuff. I hope he got his. I hope he got his 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 money's worth out of that because uh, I don't think he's gonna. I think he's gonna see that again in 2024. We um, need to but, find another mid cover of a gay anthem. That's there you what go. We need another mid range inoffensive uh-huh. cover of a fabulous gay anthem so the Phillies can continue to attract a wide fan base from around baseball. There you go. There you go. Um, let's do Before we get into um, Aaron Nola and looking ahead to 2024, just now that we've had a week for this to kind of pass us, let's do a little quick. I'm going to say the, some names of some, of some of the players on the Phillies and um, I want you to just give me like a word or two words or whatever, a, a reaction when I, when I say their name based off of how you feel about them right now, because it's going to maybe what they did in the NLCS will, will change maybe how you or we or the listeners thought about them uh, before the last uh, week of the season. So let me throw the first name out at you. Um, we'll Wait. start, Liz, let me start with you first, oh, okay. and then we'll kind of <laughs> alternate. Is that okay? Yeah, that sounds good. I did not review this list on purpose because I'm treating yeah. this as an actual psychological exercise. I, I want to hear what I say when you say these names as well. Okay. All right, Elizabeth, Elizabeth let's start with you. Bryce Harper. S- strong. <laughs> <That's not helpful>. <laughs> wow. <laughs> um, we learned a lot about Liz here. Listen, the, it's the first word. I, I, I scanned know, the list funny. as soon as John sent the document this morning, and I haven't seen it yet. I, I if, I'm, if I'm supposed to be doing like a good, bad, angry. No, no, strong like, can be fine, but how do you mean strong? Just like he has big muscles kind of strong? He's, yes, he's a very strong individual. He hits home runs very far. That's what I'm thinking. I have no negative feelings about Harper right now. I'm so just like, man, what a strong ball player he's cool and i'm glad he's he's with the phillies he was more he was more chiseled than i thought he was he he was when he Mm -hmm. when he was like without a shirt in the locker room that was that was something else yeah glad you noticed there's no right or wrong answer and uh it's just (laughs) what's in your brain yeah let's get it out that's in my brain get it out and play with it and see what happens oh good all right justin what about you bryce harper 
crushed. Yeah. That was the first word that came to mind. I feel like it uh I feel like it covers a lot of ground in that it's you know, he will crush things and also I feel crushed that another season of Bryce Harper playing with every cell in his body to win a World Series and they came up short. I mean, look, yeah. he had he had a couple of at bats in those last two games that were infuriating, same as anybody else. But I think it, for the most part, for a guy who had the kind of year he did, coming back late like he did, but also very early <laughs> like he yeah. did, uh, and being the kind of player he is and the intensity he has and everything we we have come to know about Bryce Harper, I don't think there is a human being more built to play baseball and win the world series on this planet than Bryce Harper. And he just, he doesn't have that yet. And until he has it, people are going to keep using that to tear him down. And you know, that's just trash talk, but it also is nice to like eliminate those things. My word was human. Like for the, he, he, he's human. You know, he, in, in game five of the NLCS, the, the Bedlam at the bank moment, he hit the same exact pitch out to left field for that huge two run home run that he got in the seventh inning with the with with two runners on and in game seven he just missed it he just got under it he like he didn't join the rest of his teammates in chasing everything thrown his way at the plate he actually continued to have good at bats but there were a number of plate appearances especially with runners in scoring position where he just missed he just missed and there's nothing like what do you there's no fix there like there's no aha you did this wrong you know he just missed and he had been clutch so much throughout his time in Philadelphia during the regular season through the postseason to that point, I honestly believed he was going to hit a home run in that moment, but it just proves he's a human being. He's not, he's not a robot. He's not a cyborg. And you know, if Bryce Harper had hit a home run there and then the bullpen had blown the game, you could say like, I am crushed for Bryce Harper. And I am still, I am a little bit crushed for Bryce Harper because it's another year of his prime. He doesn't get a world series ring, but that he shouldered as much of the blame for their failure to come through as anybody else. And, and so that was just a human moment. He's a human being. And, you know, I think everybody recognizes. Nobody's mad at Bryce Harper. He's just kind of, you know, just couldn't couldn't do it that time. Um, all right, Justin, let me start with you with this next one. Rob Thompson. Slow. Okay, I don't know why that. I don't know why that was. <laughs> That's what it came out. Justify it. Interesting. Uh, okay, maybe maybe a little slow. There was moments throughout the playoffs where he was a little slow to maybe go get a guy. And that cost the Phillies. Maybe that's maybe that's where I'm at. But also slow, I think, is coming from like the the area of of, of calm mm-hmm. and it, where, where his presence kind of just maintained that status throughout. And that went for like the entire season too. I know people will hang some stuff on Rob Thompson. Some of it'll be deserved, and some of it won't. And some people will feel extra strong about it. And and uh, you know, you always have those people who are like, "Well, I was the first one to say he should be fired, and you all are dumb for not agreeing with me." And I don't, I don't think again, like you said with Harper, I don't, I don't think Tom, Rob Thompson did anything to tank the Phillies' chances in the World Series. I mean, that's what made it so frustrating, or in the NLCS, that's what made it so frustrating is that it was there. I mean, it was right there, and it was you know, little moments we're going to go back over the next few months and, and analyze and dissect and take apart and decide, you know, this was the moment. And Thompson's going to wear the blame for some of those. But I think I say slow as in methodical and just kind of like uh, a guy, as, as he became known for throughout this whole run, a guy who's just managing from a player's and gut instinct standpoint first and foremost. And occasionally that makes him move a little more slowly than perhaps he should. How about you, Liz? Rob Thompson. 
Uh, Justin said slow, and I can't get an image of Droopy Dog, the cartoon, out of my head. <laughs> yes, uh, sir. So now I'm just you imagining want, You him. don't want me to bring in Craig Kimbrell, sir? Well, we can get another reading out of Zach Wheeler. <laughs> exactly. I, I think the world of Rob Thompson, but I'm just imagining Droopy Dog wearing a, a like a sweater with a red Canadian maple yeah. leaf on it. I, I said it on the podcast a couple different times. I think he got too much blame for this. I think he oh, got yeah. hamstrung really? by the fact that why why is Taiwan Walker and Michael Lorenzen on your playoff roster if you are terrified to pitch either one of them? You're you're playing two pitchers short in in that case. And you know why why are you using Orion Kirkering? So in 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 the, in the situation, so those were the most frustrating well, moments of of, yeah. of the playoffs for me with him were the Kirkering moments, not even the Kimbrel moments. The Kirkering yeah. moments defied logic and everything he's ever told us about what he thinks is important in having in on a playoff roster like yeah have the kid on but bringing him in in the seventh inning of a one nothing game in game three like when that's when, a, Saran, when Saranthony Dominguez is still there that's a legitimate that's a legitimate gripe that right and, there like I yeah. think it it was like one of the first times we've seen with him during his tenure really get like ensorcelled by a player and not yeah. be able to stop himself from you know, putting him in, whether it was, you know, the kid needs to be tested. He had a bad, he had a bad outing. We got to get him out there again to build his confidence. I'm like, yes, in the regular season. No, in the NLCS yeah. before in the game, you know, before you go to the world's, you know, you're trying to get to the world series. Like, no legitimate gripes there. But like overall, you know, uh, I, he, he is getting too much blame. I yeah. could see it as, as, perhaps a conservative approach where he he is he manages where he is trying to insulate himself from trouble he doesn't want to just be this guy is is keeping the game from falling apart it's this guy here and the like other two guys that i've already imagined like if i can get more out of this guy here than those other two guys like i get to hold on to those bullets for a little bit longer and that's even better and i think he just can't resist opportunities like that sometimes yeah and he's not the only manager like that but you do i think just based on what you've seen him do and when he's decided to go for guys beyond just this postseason it's uh it's something he, he leans into on occasion and it does come back to bite you and it never looks good when it does all right, I'm going to alternate these next guys, but be, between you all, I've got uh, let's see, two, five, I got five more names. So we'll we'll kind of I'll give this one to you, Justin, and then I'll give the next one to Liz. Um, Justin, Nick Castellanos. Whiff. Ah. <laughs> Interesting. I like how these literally are coming to your brain the second I say the name because they're they're almost like they're they're being vomited out of your mind <laughs> with the way you're saying them. That's how that felt coming Whiff. out too. Yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, I guess that's coming from. The kind of at bats that were tragically, we were tragically accustomed to seeing from from Castellanos, from Trey Turner, from from a lot of the Phillies when they just weren't adjusting their aggressive plate approach for moments where being less aggressive would have paid off, and that was uh, that was a callback to some other frustrating at bats from Castellanos specifically at a time where he wasn't p performing as well for the Phillies. Obviously, this was a huge year for him. Um, it was awesome to see. He stepped. He took a step forward in a lot of ways, just like solidifying the player that he was signed to be on the field, but also just the kind of stuff he did off the field and the leadership role he took this season that has been well documented. You could point to just about anybody in that locker room and probably find a feature story, probably written by Alex Coffey, about how he <laughs> yeah. like bonded with a particular other teammate. But those at-bats where that 
breaking pitch or that slider just go, go you know, heads right for the uh, low and outside corner and you know before it even gets halfway to the plate that he's going to swing at it and yeah. you know before the umpire even makes a move that you know he's going to miss it yeah those are the at bats that uh, really start to you know when he does that in July it's like oh boy like let's let's try something else when you're doing that in the postseason you're like oh boy it's over is, yeah it's a whole yeah. other oh boy there's exactly. a whole different the whole different tone to that oh boy and I mentioned on the last podcast too like he talked about getting on the plane to Arizona and not all of a sudden not being able to see the baseball and I I couldn't yeah. as someone who's never played baseball I don't understand that like I just but I thought hey I don't I've never played real baseball at a real level before it must happen and I heard Ricky Batalico talking on a on on the uh, the NBC Sports podcast and, he's, and he said like I don't understand that <laughs> you know, how you just how you how you're seeing the ball so well in one spot and then you get on a plane and you land someplace else and you can't see the ball anymore like it just disappears on you how does that happen so I'm I felt not, a, I'm not laughing at him but also this is a guy who mm-hmm. said his favorite superhero was a cartoon dog Scooby Doo he yeah. admitted to having a voice in his head and suffers from instant baseball blindness at any given moment. I mean, look, you signed Nick Castellanos. Buy a ticket, take the, the ride. I don't, I, don't, <laughs> I don't think we. I don't think we knew we were getting all of this. Uh, yeah. I'll put it that way. But um, hell no, <laughs> no. All right, Liz, your turn. Zach Wheeler. Hell yes. Uh, sorry. No, that's good. That's, that's good. what I got. Uh, that's yeah. my instant reaction. He was dependable and just spectacular. I think everyone's gonna. Like the Bryce Harper signing is going to be what everyone remembers, but I, I, I'm on the Zach Wheeler is probably the most consequential signing of this era. Really, hmm. that's a great point. That's and that's a great question to to ask because I think that you very well could be right. Like if you if you could choose one player that you had to lose for like half a season, I, I think you can get by with Bryce Harper more than you can get by without Zach Wheeler. Yeah, I mean, completely. and and I. He he is he's a, he came he became an icon this the, in this postseason he's one of the best postseason pitchers in baseball history based on these last yeah. two years so just tremendous yeah and the Phillies I mean credit I think this was a Clentac signing I wish I remember. yes it was oh, yeah. yep. and yeah. credit to him for recognizing that Aaron Nola at the top of the rotation just wasn't going to cut it. Credit to Matt Klumtak for recognizing that and being like, we need to sign and we need to sign an ace who we are not constantly worried about. We need yeah. to we need to fork over the money and sign a guy. And they actually they took a big chance on. Yeah, Wheeler. he wasn't that guy when they signed him. No, they, they, but they thought he could be off of a disastrous Mets career because they just screw up everything they look at. And he it, it was not a, a it was not a a sure thing that it was going to end up this way. But like. It all worked out. The faith worked out. Zach Wheeler mm-hmm. bet on himself, and everyone just put their faith in the fact that he could be the pitcher that he was always supposed to be. And he is—he finally did it with the Phillies, and that alone to me is is really cool. The, the Phillies yeah. need to make sure they get that guy signed to an extension as soon as they they deem it appropriate. Well, we're going to talk about that in just a few minutes, but uh, that is certainly something that is on their radar, it sounds like. Justin, uh, next name for you, Trey Turner. Stop. Oh. <laughs> well, same kind of deal here. Um, yeah. I give you two the same. I give you two guys with the same color, essentially. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think looking back at this last series, it'll be that Trey Turner at bat in the seventh inning, I want to yeah. say. Yeah. That, that really squeezed my heart into the smallest possible shape it could be and and still work um that was kind of 
it, it, yeah, I, I, I had a lot of darkness in my in my heart all day leading up to that game that I was just trying to deny and wall off and be like, anything I'm doing or thinking isn't going to affect this team tonight. Um, and then by the time he and I talked about this right after we did our reaction to that series loss, um, right after Kevin Stocker was like, his, his approach has got to change for this at bat. You know, he, he can succeed here. He's just going to have to be a little more strategic than he's been. And he did nothing even close to that. And I think like the next guy had pretty much the same at bat or the guy before him had had the exact same at bat. And it was just, you just know, it's like they are, they are not going through the motions, but they got a set of motions that they're not deviating from. And that's kind of when you knew. And yeah, Trey Turner, look, we all know what defined his season and what a magical thing that was. And that's great. But you know, that's, Hope he comes out next year and doesn't need a five-month warm-up period yeah. because the Phillies are going to need him. You know, everybody's a year older, and they're going to need him. And we know what kind of player he can be. He can be a, an incredible, incredible team leader and offensive leader. And, you know, he's, he, that diving double play stop is one of the milestones of this postseason run that helped go yeah. as deep as it did. So, you know, look, I'm, I'm, at the end of the day, there's none of these guys that I wish weren't here anymore. Uh, and I know we're going to get to that to an extent as well moving forward. But uh, I will say that, yeah, I, when I think about Trey Turner right now, I still think about that at bat and those first two strikes he put on so that it was like he was starting with an 0-2 count. Yeah, and a couple of, a number of times in those last five games, I mean, there was a earlier in the game, I think it was in the bottom of the fifth inning or the fourth inning, I don't remember. I think it was the bottom of the fifth because Schwarber let off with a double. And Turner comes up, so you got, you got Schwarber on second with nobody out. At the very least, in a 2-2 game, or maybe it was 3-2 at the time, I don't remember exactly, it was probably 3-2 they were down, you move the runner to third. Like, you got to hit the ball to the right side. I mean, you want Turner to get a hit there. But Turner is still in, i got to hit a home run mode, and yanked an outside pitch to the third baseman. He couldn't move Schwarber over. Bryce Harper then comes up, and he just misses a home run. Uh, and and then it's, uh, I think it was uh, Castellanos after that, who, oh no, it was Bohm after that, who wasn't able to get the job done. So it was just those kinds of moments from Trey Turner were really infuriating. In the, and he had a number of them in these last few games. His numbers with runners in scoring position, just brutal in the, in the last uh, NLCS. Uh, Liz, I'm going to give you, I'm going to give you maybe the best one oh, here. And God. that's Craig Kimbrell. Ah! <laughs> <laughs> That'll work. That'll work. I was expecting word. something bad. I was yeah. prepared to I was prepared to let out a yell. But yeah. that, I mean that I hear screaming in my head. Like it's uh he was at times really unpleasant to watch. It was just frustrating as every pitch was up in the zone. Every pitch was at the top of that stupid square and above it and someone was either going to get a hold of one or he was just going to walk everyone. And that wasn't the way he was the whole time. Absolutely not and he was a valuable member of this team. But I am uh, the the Craig Kimbrell experience uh, was interesting. We'll say that he had a he had a really yeah. good I think month, maybe two months. And yeah, about then, two months. Yeah, mm-hmm. and then after it was before that, and then after that, it was pretty much it was it was hard. Mm. There was there was a time when Sir Anthony and Jose Alvarado were both on the injured list, and he yeah. really saved them for for a couple of months. But he he got overexposed too during the course of the regular season. He pitched a lot more innings than he ever had in the last few seasons, and uh, I think that came back to bite him. And his stuff just isn't that spectacular anymore. Ninety four, oh. ninety five, with a slider that if he's not thrown over the plate for strikes in a good spot, either's going to get slammed somewhere or hitters are just going to sniff at it. So yeah, I appreciate. Um, I think the Phillies got whatever Craig Kimbrell had left, they got all of it. Yes. I, I, you, know, you gotta say that at least. Like he was the, uh, he was like top 
reliever in baseball for those months where he was he, he was a big reason their rota- their uh, bullpen was such a strength for the phase of the season where he went to the All Star game. <laughs> it was the All Star. Well, he was invited to the All Star. That's game true. By the That's commissioner. true. But true. still. Uh, yeah, he, he, it wasn't like he was crazy to see him there. He had a great late career season, uh, and, and, you know, that would really help the Phillies out. Did not help them out anymore the later in the season it got. Yeah. All right, last one, and uh, let's use this one as a way to get into our conversation about him, and that's Aaron Nola. Uh, and uh. We, can, we can both talk about this. Uh, Justin had a similar guttural reaction to Aaron Nola's name as uh, listed to Craig Kimbrell's name. And, you know, this is the most important question of the offseason, right? The Aaron Nola decision, I think it's going to be, it sounds like the Phillies want to bring him back, Justin. Um, He pitched great for most of the playoffs and over the last two weeks of the season. And then in game six of the NLCS, we saw bad Aaron Nola return. Um, Are you... Are you enthused about the idea of of bringing Aaron Nola back at this point? Enthused. Enthused. Look, after every Aaron Nola start, whether it was a bad one or a good one, there's a countdown clock that starts ticking down. You can't see it, but you can hear it. Uh, you never really know when he's going to run out of time, and it's just going to lapse into one of those starts. But you know it's going to happen. It it just it that's it's inevitable. And, you know, people can disagree with that, but I think it's true. Uh, as good as I, I I think he is, and I've seen him be, and, and as good as he was for those, like, five or six starts from the end of September to his final start in the NLCS, you know, yeah, that's all that's all great stuff. That's what you want to see from Aaron Nola, but we're not, we're not playing a guessing game here with Aaron Nola anymore. This is just, you know, we have a definition. Liz and I worked that out earlier in the year, and I see no reason to deviate from that at this point. Um, that being said... I'm still very much in the idea that what's what's a better what's a what's better you know like there's better pitchers out there and I have some ideas about that but as far as Aaron Nola whether or not he's on the Phillies whether or not the Phillies should bring him back whether or not it would be smart for them to bring him back there's not enough starting pitching out there for 30 teams to have five good starters there's not enough starting pitching out there for 30 teams to have two good starters each I don't think uh two like high level high-end starters playoff starters and I think Aaron Nola is one of those guys Still, he's just not one you maybe trust as much. And even if he's faded into a number three role, uh, you know, it, it, to, to bring in what Liz was saying about when they signed Zach Wheeler, you know, it's like, Nola, look, we don't think he has number one guy stuff. So we're going to bring in a guy we think can be number one and Nola can can be a one B or a two. You know, we'll, we'll see what happens here. But like that's going to that's going to stabilize that same thing. I, I honestly think they'd be better off doing that again, not replacing anybody, but but adding adding to the rotation because you know, you got an owner who's willing to spend or, or a, a president of baseball ops who can make a great trade. Cool. I think the answer here is to add and, and not subtract. You keep Aaron Nola and honestly throw in somebody else, make him the number three starter so that uh, mm. when, when he goes out there, expectations are maybe a little healthier and he can have a bad start every three starts, every other start, five starts in a row. And you have two other guys who can pick it up and maybe be a stopper rather than thinking, well, maybe this time around Aaron Nola's got it. Cause I'll tell you what, it was great seeing him pitch the way he pitched to finish the regular season. It was great to see him really step up and make the kind of start you needed him to make in the postseason. And it was very predictable to see him come up small in his biggest start of the season. Unfortunately, predictable. I don't mean that as a personal insult. I mean that as like an objective scientist monitoring his behavior. 
This is not something that could have caught a lot of people off guard. Disappointing, devastatingly so. But this was not surprising. This is this is the Aaron Nola experience. If Nick Castellanos' experience is sometimes the baseball just disappears, Aaron Nola's is sometimes the baseball just disappears over the fence. Because that's that's the kind of guy we've learned he is. And I, I think he's a great pitcher, but I think you gotta you gotta make some kind of adjustment here if you if you don't want to be in that situation in October again where it's like hmm Nola's starting tonight he's got a great track record but is tonight the night is tonight the night that clock hits zero because it very well might be is tonight Jimmy Shaker night is essentially what you're what you're asking yourself there if anybody remembers that movie um, anybody remember that movie the Mel Gibson movie where his kid got kidnapped Gary Sinise kidnaps his movie never mind okay um, I'm all alone on that. <laughs> <laughs> somebody will know it and somebody will payback no, no that's not it that's it's with renee russo he's like a wealthy uh airline it's just called ransom yes oh, ransom. ransom that's it thank you yeah ransom yeah. it's a great movie but yeah i'm the only one who remembers it all right john um, what were the 60s like <laughs> yeah i know right <laughs> tell us they more. were they were they were brighter times than now um <laughs> Oh, but depressing. Liz, I, I think what Justin is saying, I, I think in a vacuum is is right. But here's the issue is you have Taiwan Walker, you have Christopher Sanchez, who it sounds like is going to be in the rotation. You have Ranger Suarez and Aaron Nola is probably going to get signed by somebody for two hundred million dollars someplace. So if you if you sign him, you're going to you're going to probably have to go. I can't. I mean, maybe six years, maybe no, maybe seven years no. for him. Oh. That That's what's I mean, I really think honest to goodness, that's that's what it's going to take. Carlos Rodon last year. At age 29, six years, $162 million. And I think that's on the low end, even with Aaron Ola's subpar season. I wonder how much of his postseason performance, how, how many will teams throw game six aside and look at all the other three starts he made in the playoffs? And But he's had plenty of game sixes throughout. That wasn't an anomaly. You know? Sure. Like that, I mean, I know. Been... I, you're not arguing. I mean, I, I hear you. I don't you, know but... who I'm arguing with. I'm, Aaron, I'm arguing with Aaron Ola, and he's not. Yeah, essentially. <laughs> so and he's not listening. Know. <laughs> no. I mean, I think so. I just don't think you can sign Aranola and do what you're asking, Justin, because A, you don't have enough spots in the rotation unless you're going to demote Chris Sanchez or demote Taiwan Walker, and you paid Taiwan Walker all this money last year. And in order to get Aranola back, you're going to have to pay him what you would pay somebody to, re to, to join him, that other number two starter, that other number one starter. So I don't, I don't know. You're right in that I, I'm, I'm putting aside the idea that they would pay him as much as you're suggesting. And if that were the case and he were to get a deal with like the Cardinals or the giants for like $200 million, I would not feel bad. Honestly, like I, I would, I, I feel like there is, there's more to keeping him than just, well, he blew, he blew that start in the NLCS. Get rid of him. Oh, he's a frustrating pitcher to watch. Get rid of him. I don't think it's, it's that. I think it's more that, yeah, if it's about signing him, because when you get to that level, it's more like, okay, well, are we signing him or someone who maybe is a little more consistent? There are more consistent guys available in free agency than Aaron Nola. And if that's where you want to go and they're all up there you know, asking for the same money anyway, then you're just swapping him out for somebody you think could do his job more consistently than he does. So then I wouldn't feel as bad. But like, you know, there was one Cardinal site predicted Nola would get six years 131 million that's much lower than what you said so yeah. god only knows <laughs> yeah yeah liz i mean i think most people are thinking he's going to make somewhere in the neighborhood of 24 25 million dollars and he's probably going to get six or seven years and he was asking for seven or eight during spring so i don't think he's getting that but i don't think you're getting him on a four or five year deal which is i think i think the phillies would be fine with 25 million a year on a five-year deal 
But I don't think they want to do that on a seven-year deal. You know, I mean, that just that that doesn't. But I I think he's going to get that. I think he will. I think the Phillies would be willing to up the dollar value per year rather than commit uh, to him for that long. But Mm -hmm. I am pretty sure they are going to commit to him. Like I I can't imagine that they would go any other direction. You think he's going to be back? Oh yeah, the devil you know is better than the devil you don't. Mm-hmm. And they know Aaron Nola. They know Aaron Nola. He's been here forever. They trust him. He trusts the staff. It's a good arrangement. He's well-liked. Um, he's a huge part of the team. He's been around forever. Like, it's – like, this is a – the decision about Reese Hoskins is hard. The decision about uh, – I think for the Phillies, the decision about Nola is easy. The only hard part about it is how much do we pay him. And I think that's it. Yeah. I think that's all. I don't think there's any – I don't think there's any question that he'll be back because who do you replace him with? And here are Someone some of the names. you have to get to know. You, yeah. you have to figure everything out. And now it's not like when they signed Zach Wheeler where I have a, you know, a couple of you know gap years before everyone starts trying really hard. Like yeah. it, We don't have that time. Or sure. Don't we think don't. that there's, there's an amount of money – that other teams are going to be willing to pay him that the Phillies will not. That's what same, I think. Yeah. yeah. For the same reason that you're saying, because they know him. Mm-hmm. Yeah. His durability, he has, he hasn't missed a start in like the last six years. Um, he's been, he, he generally speaking is, is a good pitcher more than he's not a good pitcher. And you know, the other options that are out there, I think Blake Snell is probably going to win the Cy Young award, but he had a two, two, five ERA this year and a three, seven, seven fit. Cause he walked like five guys per nine innings and he, he would just put guys on and then strike everybody out. I don't know that that's repeatable. And you had Jordan Montgomery, the left-hander for the Rangers who had a very good season, uh three, two Oh ERA, but he, he got blown up in game two of the world series. I mean, it's just that those games happen. Marcus Stroman has only pitched 130 innings each of the last two years. He was good this year, three, nine, five ERA, but was he leaps and bounds better than Aaron Nola? And, and has he been leaps and bounds better than, than in his career? Sonny Gray is maybe the best guy on here. Really solid season with Minnesota. 5.3 wins above replacement this year, which was tied for third best in baseball. Made 32 starts, a 3.69 ERA. I mean, that's th- those are the guys we're talking about here. And so I don't know if those guys come any cheaper than Aaron Nola. If one of them does, then maybe I go that route. And, and maybe you just want something different. Because I know the fan base, I think a lot of folks are just tired of the show. But... Um, you do need somebody. You do need a game two starter. This team's going to be in the playoffs, I think, moving forward the next few years. And you, you've got to have a game two starter that you can that you can pair with Zach Wheeler and say we have a decided advantage in this series because we have these two guys up top. And Aaron Nola might be the guy with the highest ceiling out of all of those guys. Yeah, like I, I like the first was it the first guy you mentioned or Blake Snell? Like my big issue with him is that he. Like, if you want to find a good pitcher who taxes your bullpen, it's him. He almost never pitches outside of the, outside of the fifth inning. He almost, That's very true. Yeah, he, he will be the guy that hurts your bullpen. And I don't want, like, I don't want that. I want a guy who can at least throw a few pitches in the sixth inning and maybe occasionally get to the seventh. Like, that's a rare thing. But it's important. Like, it's actually a huge deal if you can find a guy who can consistently go six-ish innings and once a week save your bullpen, save one dude some work. Like, that ends up being important, especially considering 
the Phillies issue this year, which was we have to overexpose Craig Kimbrell because the rest of our good relievers are on the IL right now. Well, I'll say this. Jordan Montgomery, after he went to the Rangers, pitched in at least six innings and eight out of 12 starts. He is, I think, a very consistent pitcher, this recent start in the World Series aside. He can't be given a qualifying offer. You won't lose a draft pick by signing him. He's left-handed, and he's only 30. So yeah. there's, some, there's some appeal there. There is. There is. Yeah, and he's he again pitched really well in the playoffs too. Uh, game two aside, but uh, through the uh, through the ALCS, he was dominant uh, in the postseason. So he's got that playoff experience where, you know, Sonny Gray. Um, uh, he he's probably the guy who may be the most stable or the surest thing. But he's 34, so maybe that's a good thing. Maybe you know you only have to sign him for three years or whatever. But there's some interesting questions there. I really don't have a feel one way or the other if Arnola is going to be back. I think it's if you put a gun to my head, I'd say like there's 55, 45 chance he won't be. But I, I don't, I don't feel really strongly about that one way or the other. Um, one I think other they guy want to two, but I think they have a limit. Yeah, I think that's right. That's yep. That's and I think their limit is lower yep. than than other teams. In a perfect world, he'd be back, but you know who knows what other teams are willing to do. Um, the last guy I want to talk about here is Zach Wheeler, and because he is obviously this was the maybe the best free agent pitcher signing to a deal of $100 million or more in, in baseball history, given the Phillies more than anyone could have ever dreamed possible. But he's under contract for 2024. It's his last season. He's going to be 34 years old this year. But he is so good and so dominant for this team. Would either of you think twice about another five-year deal for Zach Wheeler that would take him through age 39, his age 39 season? Because we, you know, we've got Harper pitch, who's going to be playing into his 40s. Trey Turner's going to be playing into his 40s. Zach Wheeler would, would kind of be along that same track as, as those guys over the course of the next few seasons. But we've seen guys like Verlander and Scherzer remain very effective in their, in their late 30s. There's no reason to think Zach Wheeler couldn't also be one of those types of guys. So, uh, Justin, what do you think about a, like a, a four- or a five-year extension for Zach Wheeler this offseason? Let me just ask you a simpler question to start off. And it's one word, yes or no. Should the Phillies extend Zach Wheeler? Yes. Then the answer is yes. There we go. Because you're, you're signing him here, like, regardless of how much time, unless it's ludicrous, but, like, regardless of how much time, we're at the point in Zach Wheeler's career, more appropriately, he is at this point in his career, where you're signing him to get what's left of his prime, and in a five-year deal, you're probably, in all likelihood, going to see the end of his prime. And you know that's just the cost of signing him for the rest of it. So get on board with that or don't. You're not yeah. like If you want to extend Zach Wheeler, it's going to involve the part of his career where he's got a 39-year-old arm, he's got a 38-year-old arm, and we've seen the best pitchers in baseball, Scherzer, Verlander, uh, struggle when they've reached that phase of their career. It's not impossible, but, you know, it's not crazy to think you're going to lose a step. So just understand that now. If you want them to sign Zach Wheeler, he's not always going to be the Zach Wheeler you see now. And I, I think they should resign him, too. I'm not saying that's a reason not to. Uh, it's just more like acknowledging the reality of the situation. It's kind of it, it gets a lot simpler after that. I think yep. whatever it is that whatever health issues might be in his future, I think it's worth it for whatever that's left. I think there's no question because we're going to see the the end of a bunch of careers with these Phillies. Oh, big time. Sure, it's yeah. Gonna be, it's going to be dark times. It's going to be dark times. <laughs> yeah. In about five years, we're going to be hating this. Yeah, um, the late 2020s. That's why, you, that's why you really hope they get one parade out of this because yeah. there is going to be a piper to pay. 
at some point probably in the next four or five years and it might be sooner than that but that's why that's why this window as long as it's open they got to do everything they can to bash it in and just hope that andrew painter recovers in time to to provide something in 2025 and that mick abel figures it out and they can sign a couple other draft picks and um get some good young talent in here and, and work some of that in because these guys are going to start to get long in the tooth and uh, they're gonna have to figure things out but th this window is open right now and i think you need to if you don't re-sign Aranola, they're going to sign one of those other guys. That's a, that's a sure thing. And then extend Zach Wheeler, and then you give yourself another shot for another two, three years at least. Maybe more. Who? Maybe more. Who? Who knows? All right, let's uh, wrap things up with some final thoughts. And we're gonna we're gonna go through the offense next time we chat. You know, we'll we'll talk about the bullpen. You know, maybe after that, and just kind of break things down a little bit here week by week as uh, free agency is still a little bit of a ways away. Uh, but uh, let's do some final thoughts here to wrap things up. Justin, any final thoughts from you? Uh, well, I don't think it'll be until after the parade of the World Series winner that I'm able to really get fully back in, invested into the Phillies and talking about them and wanting to look at them and such. Um, but I will say that, you know, we're talking about, oh, you got to win a ring in this window. And you do. You really you do. You want to be able to, like, uh, stick a flag in a golden era and be like, and it led to this. And this yeah. is like, you know, the center point of all the success. But you know, I, I will say that there is a, a, a prevalent, I think, mindset that every season that doesn't end in a World Series ring is a failure of some kind. And yeah. I got you got to remind yourself that that's not true and how much fun and, and how much excitement there was in the last two years, regardless yeah. of, of how things ended. I'm not saying that's good enough. I'm just I'm clearly I'm. I'm no, you're 100 percent right. <laughs> but I think that's true. And I think to, to even just look back six years ago on this day, the Phillies hired Gabe Kapler to be the manager, <laughs> yeah. which was the beginning of an experiment that did not work. And so when you think about a team that went to the NLCS, that went to the World Series, that really should have been in the World Series this year, you know, disappointment in that ending aside, these are far, far better times than we were setting out on six years ago. So, you know, that is, it's a nice perspective to have that said, yeah, I'm, I'm not going to even open Twitter until after <laughs> a couple months have gone by. Yeah, I think in about another few weeks, I might be able to watch highlights from from this postseason uh, like I was ravenously uh, gobbling them up. Uh, even after they lost the World Series last year, I was still so hyped up. It was it was easy to watch highlights, and it's been a little difficult, but that, that'll get better. And I will say, too, not being in the World Series, my stress levels— oh. My serotonin, they, they've like, my, my stress levels have dropped tremendously over the last week. You know, well, this I can is, read again. I can finally I can, like, sleep. <laughs> I have not I can sit down to sleep. And, like read a book. I can focus yeah. on the words and understand yeah. them. It's incredible. Exactly. Work all of a sudden has meaning again. Yeah. You know, I mean, it's just, it's, it's, uh, it, so in that way, you know, little mercies. <laughs> Things like this well, don't go the way that you want them to. Liz, like, final, you, oh, go ahead, Justin. Yeah. Uh, just to close the loop on that. You can't buy World Series rings. You can only buy players that increase the odds of yeah. receiving a World Series ring. And the Phillies have done that. You know, we, we talked about that. But or non-fungible tokens of, of World Series rings. You can <laughs> right, buy those. Right. Of course. You know, there's of course, lots you know. of, yeah, lots of those out there. Liz, final thoughts? Um, in that vein, I think uh, just for anybody who, who might not have made it to the end of this podcast, who didn't want to listen to it and is somehow here anyway, um, it is not bad and wrong to want to step back from baseball. Not just the Phillies, but baseball in general. Like, don't feel guilty for needing a break. And I think this team, more than a lot of others, actually requires people to take a break. They were so... We, we were all so emotionally bound with them. 
there mm-hmm. were they were sharing a lot of intense feelings with each other and they were sharing that with us and we were feeling all those feelings and they had you know sending them to them like it was it was magical and wonderful <clears throat> but it was emotionally exhausting yeah and yeah. so like it's if you're feeling weird about watching highlights like john is or anything like that don't don't it, you're not you're not broken <laughs> it's no not, they just broke you yes, maybe but yeah they just they just <laughs> they just broke you they broke us we all just you know need a step we just need an emotional break you will want to get back into baseball um so don't allow yourself to be swallowed whole by the eagles or the sixers <laughs> Yeah. Oh, oh don't ask it. Don't ask him to do the Sixers. No, don't ask him to do. No, listen. No, I'm not here to shame anybody. I'm here. I'm here to encourage you to uh, to get into the things that you love now that baseball is over, but also to recognize when those things are toxic and you need help to get out. So uh, if you need help getting out of a tough uh, Sixers or Flyers situation uh, this year, we are here for you. Yes. What, what does a Flyers situation even look like? I, no, I, I would say look at the last few years. That's what a Flyers situation <laughs> looks like, man. I think there's probably fans in other cities who would contest this, but I think it's objectively true that of all the playoff teams, there was no team and city that were more connected than these Phillies yeah. and Philadelphia. And to your point, that that is that has made this withdrawal even more agonizing. Exactly, because yeah. I haven't yeah. wanted to watch any highlights either. I have a whole bunch of like highlights with radio calls that I've been meaning to send my dad for like two weeks now, and I just can't. Like I have them all open in a tab, and I can't bring myself to go even to it. Yeah. So. Yeah. Yeah. That's just it. It this it hurt more than most because you li- we did love the team more. Yeah. Than maybe we've loved other teams, but that, that's this okay. Team. We wanted this team yeah. specifically to win the World Series, not yeah. just the Phillies, but this set of guys. And so. And on some level, I think we felt like they quote unquote deserved it. And of course, no one ever, you know, there's always there's always different fan bases and different players on different teams that deserve it and all that stuff. That doesn't ever mean anything. But in our hearts, it makes it a little bit more difficult sometimes. But And just um, so we're not mistaken for Braves fans, do not mistake this commentary for us not saying, they had it and they blew it. This that's is right. on no one else nope. but the Phillies. They that's right. It. That's right. <laughs> All right, folks, listen, that's going to do it for this edition of Hit and Season. And uh, I'll be back midweek, and uh, we'll be taking a further look at uh, what's coming up here in the offseason. And uh, Justin and Liz uh, and us and I will uh, we'll be chatting at you throughout the offseason, getting you ready for 2024. Just want to remind you to continue to go over to the Billy Penn website and our landing page over there, billypenn.com slash hit and season. And we've got some other fun Phillies podcasts. Uh, if you want something more lighthearted, that's where you can find the Dirty Inning over there and perfect off-season content uh, for you. You can listen to all the old shows that we've got on there uh, that Justin and Trev do. They're fantastic. Go to patreon.com slash hit and season if you want some good baseball talk that doesn't have anything to do with the 2024, 23, 22 Phillies. Uh, that's a good spot to do it. Thanks, everybody, for tuning in. We'll talk to you next time right here on Hit and Season.